Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Simplicity and ease is what you get when you host your podcast with Audioboom. You can post up to five episodes per month, you get unlimited storage, and 500 minutes of recording time for each episode. Plus, advanced analytics, embeddable players, distribution of your podcast via Apple Podcasts, Deezer, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Sovin, Spotify, and Stitcher. Pending approval by each platform. Right now, you can sign up for Audioboom's $9.99 monthly subscription plan and get your first month free by using promo code BOOM. That's B-O-O-M for one month free of hosting and distribution. Sign up for our $9.99 monthly subscription plan today. This is the MLW Radio Network. This episode of Primetime with Sean Mooney is brought to you by SeatGeek. All you have to do is download the SeatGeek app, and because you're a listener of mine, you're going to get $20 off your first purchase when you use the promo code PRIMETIME. That's promo code PRIMETIME. Do it now. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Prime Time with Sean Mooney. It's hard to believe that this is our 26th episode, and what is even more amazing is, listen to this, we just passed our one millionth download of this podcast. Incredible. And I want to thank all of you who have been faithfully listening, and I promise I will continue to track down more great guests to have on talking about the greatest era ever in the history of professional wrestling and, of course, beyond because sometimes we do go into uh, other years, but uh, for the most part, we talk about the greatest period in professional wrestling. Uh, we had a great episode last week with my good friend Coco Beware. Uh, Coco was great to have on and uh, shared some awesome, uh, I would say very candid stories. It also happened to be our first episode that earned an E for explicit language. But you know, as I mentioned, Coco is a very passionate person. And I want to keep it real. I mean, really. Uh, so I kept the language in as it was delivered so that you could truly understand uh, Coco's rage when he was talking uh, about that story of the infamous fight in Brussels with the WWF executive. Um, I also though, loved hearing some of his other great stories, though, when he was talking about Frankie and his first trip to the ring and how you know Frankie was biting him and how they had to take the cage apart. Uh, great stuff. So uh, if you missed it, really, you should go back and listen to the Coco Beware episode. Uh, we've got another amazing podcast as we're about to get nasty. I think I gave it away. That's right. Brian Nobbs of the Nasty Boys is my guest, and I promise it's a conversation uh, you're going to remember. Uh, Brian was one of the wildest, funniest, baddest dudes to ever roam the WWF. He's going to be joining us in 
just a couple of minutes, but I've got some business to take care of first. Now, uh, first of all, as I mentioned, uh, we wanted to surpass 500 likes. We have done that on our Facebook page, our Facebook page, Primetime with Sean Mooney. Uh, we're way past 500 now, so stay tuned because uh, as we wrap up the podcast today, I'm going to announce the winner of another one of the unreleased, unseen matches, 1986 to 1995 DVD. I'm going to select a uh, friend of ours randomly from our Facebook friends, and I'm going to sign that DVD, and wherever you are in the world, I am going to send it to you. Uh, this week, kind of exciting. Uh, I'm going to be heading back to the land of the WWE to shoot something special for an upcoming event. I'll be giving out more details over the next few weeks about that, but I promise you're going to enjoy it. And I'm really looking forward to going back uh, east and seeing uh, a lot of my old friends from the WWE. So uh, that's coming up. Uh, keep those emails coming. You can, of course, connect uh, with me via email at primetime at mlw.com. I'll repeat that, primetime at mlw.com. And, of course, through Twitter at primetimemlw. That's at primetimemlw and also at Sean Mooney Who. Now, before we get to the main event with Brian Nobbs, I want to let you in on a great opportunity. If you love to go to sporting events, concerts, or any other performances, and you want to get those great seats, well, there's no better way to do that than with SeatGeek. Now, folks, buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but I'm telling you, there is a better, simpler way to do it, and that is with SeatGeek. Now, SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket-buying experience easier than ever, and it really is, and I have a great testimonial to prove it. Now, Jay, whose Twitter handle is jsaykid, just sent me a tweet that really explains it all. Jay's tweet said, Thanks to Sean Mooney, who... I managed to score two tickets to the Cactus Bowl for $7. Thanks, Sean. See, that explains it all. Now, SeatGeek also saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. And the best part about it all, just because you are one of my listeners, you get a very special deal. Because you listen to Primetime with Sean Mooney, you're going to get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Now, just download the SeatGeek app on your mobile device, whatever it is, and enter the promo code PRIMETIME today. That's promo code PRIMETIME, and you're going to get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Go and pause the podcast if you have to and download that SeatGeek app right now. Okay, now let's get to the main event. He is a former WWF superstar who I believe was one of the most entertaining individuals in the ring, out of the ring, and definitely behind the curtain. He was one half of the most recognizable tag teams in the history of the WWF, WWE. He is a member of the Nasty Boys. Brian Nobbs joins me on the podcast. Brian, thanks for coming on and welcome to Primetime. How are you? Hey, Sean. Hey, thank you for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. This is just like old times, like when he did prime time there on, on the Mondays. Uh, we actually taped it there at uh, good old Stanford, Connecticut. Yeah, you, yeah, you and Bobby the Brain, it was yeah. priceless. Yeah. And you God made a bless few trips. Bobby the Brain, by the way. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah, that's a, that was a big loss for all of us. Anybody who got to spend any time around uh, Bobby, uh, that, that hit hard. And, uh, oh, yeah. man, he was, he was the best man. Awesome as can be. And until I got it, I gotta say, you know, I went to a lot of comic cons, 
his family's good friends with my family, you know, and uh, his wife was always with him. But and even till the end there, he would always crack a joke. Even when I see him at the Comic Cons, he was always telling, you know, you know, Bobby and his yeah. spirits were so high and so always so positive. And I love him to death, man. I, I mean, really, you know, I just what what a great person. Yeah, absolutely. And and you're right about that. You know, even though uh, he had, you know, those those last few years were, were really tough. And uh, but it, I, I thought like one of the, the cruelest thing that could, could have ever happened to Bobby Heenan is you took his voice away. But you're right, though. He still would, uh, you know, uh, be able to get that humor across with with some of the expressions that he had. Some sometimes he used his hands or Right. One finger, his wife, finger in his particular. Wife understood him very well, you know, <laughs> yeah. and would would like you know interpret what you know the, the end of the joke, and and he always came out with funny geez. He, he always makes you laugh. It was it was just Bobby never lost his sense of humor. It was it's just amazing, and and I miss him really dearly, you know. Yeah, and we all do. And I know you made a few of those trips to Stanford when we were doing primetime, and. Uh, you know, it was kind of it was a short uh, period of time that we actually got to do that with the live audience there, and but we had a lot of fun. We got to do all kinds of skits, and everybody got to come in. And I know you guys came in a few times, and it, yeah, you know, you guys were always we took among over my the favorites. One time, remember, we took yeah. over the building. Yeah, and then one, and then what was that? The, the, the little guy with the glasses. We, oh, we, uh, we, we gave him Pity City. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Used to have that guy in this. Uh, I forget what his name name was anymore. You know. Well, that's so, uh, yeah. He was Bobby's sidekick for a little while on that program, but uh, yeah. we really, we really did have a, a great time doing the those bits at, at, at and at TVs too as well. But uh, man, I, I really, it's great to have you on. And you guys used to, uh, <laughs> you guys used to crack me up. I mean, you guys. One thing people can say, you always had a good time. Uh, no matter what you were doing, uh, if it was oh, in the ring or if it, wherever it was, but uh, that is absolutely the case. Um, I want to, you know, we always kind of start this, uh, the program by, you know, we want to finding out about where you come from. And, uh, I hope that I'm correct. I know you grew up in Pennsylvania. What did you grow up in Allentown? Uh, yes, we actually grew up in Whitehall, uh, Pennsylvania, and it's just a, a suburb of Allentown, but it's right. the Lehigh Valley, <laughs> you know, and yeah, me and Sai both, and we both grew up, uh, Actually, we met when we were uh, 10 years old. And, uh, really? Yes, all the way back when we were 10, and we played Little League Baseball together, and he was the first baseman, and I was left fielder, and uh, I would die for everything that was hit to me, every pop fly, even if it was in front of me. I had to make a spectacular catch, and Sag couldn't stretch that, that far. So, you know, the shortstop and the third baseman that used to make sure they – threw him in the dirt and they would always come up because he was so big at the time, even back when he was 10 and, uh, you know, would hit him in the chest, hit him in the head, but he would always block the, block the first base. So it was, it was a heck of a combo. And when I saw Sag, he, he already, you know, he has that missing tooth from hitting the post, uh, with the rock and roll express. But when I met him at 10, he was, uh, you know, uh, had half of his tooth was chipped off, you know, like, like you don't have no tooth, the same tooth that the, right. you don't have one in now. <laughs> and uh, I said, man, what happened to you? And he said, oh, my, we were, I was in a BB gun fight with my brother and my brother shot it out. And I went, <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. Now you have to, you have to give us some background because unless you, you come from that part of the country, you don't understand what those towns are like. And I can imagine what it was like when you were growing up, but give us, give us some idea of what it was like to grow up 
in Pennsylvania at, at that uh, period of time. And it's in a very strong cultural uh, part of the world. Uh, you know, give us a, kind of an, an idea of what it's like to grow up in a town like that. Well, uh, you know, back in in the day, that there was a it was a very strong economy there because the big jobs were Bethlehem yeah. Steel, where you had the yep. steel mills, you had the cement mills. Everybody and all paid good money, and that's where you know my father worked, and uh, he worked uh, you know for the cement mills, and and you know. Uh, some other of my relatives worked for Bethlehem Steel. My uncle worked for the cement mill and my father, uh, you know, during, you know, just growing up, he knew how to work on cars and then he became a mechanic. And then after he, you know, uh, he put a lot of time in the cement mills, I think almost 20 years. Then he went to be a mechanic and he ended up being the, the head chief mechanic for the township of Whitehall, you know, fixing all the police cars and all the big trucks that go out with the cinders and all that stuff. And my, my uncle was cement mill guy till, till he retired at age 70. So, you know, and my mom, you know, she was used to work and stay, was stay at home mom. But a lot of, you know, back in the day, um, you know, there was about three different families that lived in the house I grew up in, you know, right. uh, and then that's, you know, that's how it was big, a lot of family, a lot of, uh, you know, uh, Slovak, German, uh, Italian, you know, a lot of different, all different kind of nationalities there and a lot of good, uh, good cooking, uh, you know, and uh, good potatoes and, uh, you know, uh, holupkis and progies and just get in, the, you know, the strudels. I mean, no wonder I grew up to be that big, but uh, <laughs> and Sag, the same thing. He's Slovak, you know, because, you know, our real last names are, are they're they're cut down a little bit, you know. So, you know, Sag's is, his last real last name is Sagarovich. And, right. you know, me, um, I'm Yandrizovic. So the first time I, ever went to wrestle, you know, we went up to, you know, Vern Gagne school, but the first time I was ready to go out, Ray to Crippler Steven said, what's your name, kid? And I said, Brian Andrzejewicz, sir. And he goes, what? I said, Brian yeah, Andrzejewicz. He goes, well, you're going to have to change that shit. And I didn't know what to do, but on my arm, I had tattooed my nickname and I got my nickname from my uncle Ruben, who, you know, used to, uh, you know, say, you know, I would steal all the knobs when I was a kid off the TV, off the handles and this and that. <laughs> And chew That's on them. And my uncle from? gave my yeah, but yeah, my uncle gave me the, my, the the nickname Knob. So we all, when we were sixteen, SAG two, we all of our buddies, JT, Lorenzo, all you know, all of our crew, Car Poots, they all went. We all got. We only had money, and we all got tattoos of our our nicknames. So yeah. when Vader and everybody had that, one, right? Everybody had a nickname. Yeah. Everybody had a nickname. You know, we had. You know, all the guys had some. You know, we all called somebody something. You know, and everybody got a tattoo and we only had, you know, 15 bucks was the tattoo. And it was, you know, uh, when, when Ray the Crippler said that to me, I went, uh, I was kind of panicking. What do I say? I looked at my arm. I said, Brian Knobs. He goes, that'll do. Get out there, kid. And that's that's how Brian Knobs was born. Thanks to my uncle Ruben, you know. <laughs> yeah. And you talk about these families now. Uh, you, you know, you said a strong Slavic uh, 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 communities in there and uh, among others. Uh, yeah, but I'm Austrian you know, like, German, actually. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I'm Jan Drizovitz is Austrian German. Now, match my grandmother said the Bugenland, but when I went over to Germany to wrestle, they actually went German. That's more like Polish German. So there might be some Polish in there too. I don't know. So a lot of Polish people up where we live, also. Yep. You know. That's right. And uh, you know, and just tough blue collar, hard working folks. I mean, they just. Yes. 
and and a simple and a simple way you know uh, a way of life i mean you you there are what it's right and wrong and there's not much in between that um so i i just get when i think about you as a kid um did you have a, little, a tough time then following the rules? Uh, did you, and and it wasn't. Uh, yes. you, it wasn't. Uh, I think they called it a dope slap. I imagine when I was a kid, you know, like you did something. Like, what uh, was that? Uh, a regular part of your <laughs> your uh, upbringing? Well, or? well, I'm not Sean. You know, I was an altar boy. So, yes. Ab- oh, ab- you know, absolutely. I was, an, I was an altar boy. I'm I'm Catholic, and I was right. an altar boy back in the day, and. Uh, the priest did have a thing called the magic wand, which was a stick, like a. And, and my wife told me, my, my wife Tony, she's from Tennessee, so they had something called a switch, but we called yeah. it a stick. And you would have to bend over, and when you did wrong, and Father Rufinock would give you a couple good whacks. So yes, I was getting whacked a bunch of times <laughs> when I was an altar boy. You know, I just imagine you and uh, Jerry. You and Sags hanging out as kids, you must have just been hellions. Uh, am I? Do I have this all wrong? Uh. <laughs> uh, we 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 had we had a blast, and then when Sag left, because he was from Hawk and Dockwell, I'm from Styles, uh-huh. but it's still called the whole section's called Whitehall. You know, the but the little towns, the littler towns, like you were talking about. There's Copley, there's Northampton, there's Styles, there's Hockey. So I came from Hawk and Dockwell, and their crew were. Uh, uh, hockey park well at the time sag didn't make the team down there so he came up to our team and played and that's how we met and then in high school we went to high school together and then you know had a crazy time there and sag was uh one hell of a football player uh they went undefeated uh, their senior year the whitehall zephyrs and then he had a scholarship to go to uh you know uh virginia and he had to go to Ferrum to get his grades up first you know what i mean uh, uh-huh, and i yeah. went in the service after after uh you know, high school. So, uh, so trying to, trying to get, uh, our things lit up the team. After we were crazy in, in high school and, uh, you know, caused my dad, uh, I know a bunch of gray hairs and my mother <laughs> too, probably if she didn't die it. And along with SAG. So we were, <laughs> we were quite the pair and, and all of our guys that we hung out with were, were definitely, you know, um, kind of on the wild side put it that way yeah you know? i was gonna say so, voted in high school most uh, likely to cause chaos I, yeah, <laughs> exactly. but you know what never 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 really bad stuff though yeah. you know what i mean Kids. stuff we did you know you, even today you would say oh you know it's funny and that but nothing really major you know nothing like you know people are doing today and it's ridiculous but don't that's another subject but anyway yeah. lots simpler times back then you know yeah, exactly and uh you know and you don't get to uh, become you don't become a professional wrestler without being um, a a great athlete. And uh, you yes. mentioned you said uh, you know Jerry was was quite the football player, and I I imagine you were a pretty good athlete too. I, I wrestled I wrestled in high school uh, uh, two years, uh, and then though after that I just you know was trying to actually went to tech school to be a mechanic like my dad, you know, and that was and, good money, right? Yeah, and so. Uh, the, after I was a mechanic for, you know, just right as I was graduating high school and then SAG was going off to college, uh, I decided to go in the army. So, wow. you know, I went, I went into service after I got out for uh, two years. What was, I went, uh, for 13 Bravo cannon crewmen and, uh, you know, I went for the $5,000 bonus and I didn't know it, uh, declared, uh, being out in the field for three weeks out of every month and then you come back and then you're at, you know, back in the base for a month and then back out in the woods again and 
doing, you know, playing, uh, you know, my part as a, a cannon crewman for 13 Bravo uh, in Fort Hood, Texas, you know, so, <laughs> so that was very, a lot of fun, you know, I, you know, served, I was in for two, two years and then uh, I was out and then SAG was out of uh, college and we got back together in um, Allentown and if you thought we were kind of wild when we were in high school and, uh, you know, grade school, you should, when we got out, <laughs> both got out of the army and college and we kind of grouped up back together. Uh, band we was back together. Hell, we were raising some hell around the Lehigh Valley area. That's for sure. <laughs> you got the, when I was, there was the rest of the gang around too. All the, uh, the other guys with yes. the nicknames you got. Yes. Everybody with the nicknames. JT. Who, are the, who are some of the other boys, uh, that, uh, some of the other boys. okay. JT was one of them. Joe Thomas. Yeah. Well, if you speak to him now, it's a uh, Lieutenant Colonel Thomas. He, uh, retired wow. from the Marines yeah. and now works in Annapolis. He's kind of a professor in Annapolis and he's also, he, he does a lot with the football team, uh, with Navy, you know? Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, so he did really good, and Hoots is, was another one of our, but uh, you know, yeah, good old Hoots. He's and yeah. he's a jackhammering man right now out in the out in the roads uh, there in PA, and he was so uh, wild and crazy. He was in the army with me, you know. Uh, we went in. Uh, uh, them guys went in buddy system. Him and Lorenzo, and then I followed about three months after that. You know, we were all down in Fort Hood together, and Lorenzo I grew up with since I'm in first grade. And, uh, you know, uh, he's still a friend and he's a, a meat inspector in uh, Maryland. So, and, and carps a mechanic where he's the head mechanic where my dad used to be the head mechanic for the township, you know, so half, all of us crazies actually turned out really good and everybody's got, uh, families and grandkids and stuff like that. So yeah, everybody knock on wood for the wild, crazy, uh, you know, styles gang that we used to call each other, you know, the hock and dockle gang there, uh, we all turned out uh, really decent and, you know, good, uh, good people, actually. <laughs> yeah. Now, and who would have thought what, uh, what uh, you know, Brian Nobbs and Jerry Sags would uh, end up doing? Um, how did the when did the wrestling come into your life is, is when you started uh, thinking wrestling that was the wrestling has always been in my life. Ever since I was small, I've been really? watching since I was, yeah, I, 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 you know, born in 63. I think I was already watching in 68, 69. Yeah. I remember uh, Larry Zabisco against Bruno right there at, uh, 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 you know, Chase Stadium, old Chase Stadium, Pedro Morales, Victor Herrera, you know, uh, Pompiro Furpo, uh, Fuji and Tanaka. You know, wow. going to see everybody. And they used to have TV in Hamburg, PA, and yeah. Philly, uh -huh. okay? And in Philadelphia, down in Philly, they uh, uh, the studio down there in the center city where they had it down in Philly actually caught fire and burned. They needed another place to film it, so they moved Philly. They still did Hamburg, which is only like 45 minutes away, from about 40 minutes maybe from Allentown, and they moved the TV taping to Allentown. And that's when Zabisco hit Larry over the head and... And that's the first time Bruno, uh, Larry hit, uh, Larry Zabisco hit Bruno over the head. And that's the first time Bruno got blood. He was laying in a pool of blood and the people went crazy. Yeah. But right there at the fairgrounds in Allentown, they used to film TV for the WWF uh, back in the eighties, you know, back like 79, eighties, they were, they were uh, right there in Allentown. And my, uh, my friend who still owns the bar, Ringer's Roost, it's called, right across the street from the Allentown Fair, right 
fight Ag Hall. Well, his one of best friends was Arnie Skolin. Uh, you know, Andre used to come in there, and you know, Sean, because you if you've been in the business back in the day, yeah. and guys, you know, while TV was going on, we'd go over to the bar. It was right across the street, drink a few, <laughs> then go back and do what they yeah. had to do. Out Samoans, off in Sika. Yeah. You know, and I even has a school up there in Allentown, you know. Wow. Yeah. And The Rock went to, to the Lehigh Valley, too. The Rock went to Deerhoff High School, and Rocky Johnson, the, uh, his dad, who I know very well, you know, they still have a house in Bethlehem, he said. You know, he just told me that the other day. So, so I mean, it, you know, the, the area where we're in, the big wrestling area, so it was great. And and my buddy Don, Don Ringer, who owns Ringer's Roost, he still has it going. Now, since me and Sag became really good friends with him for the last, off oh, 15 years or 20 years now, we got we have updated his, you know, all these pictures he has. He has pictures of Dominic DiNucci, Mr. Fuji back in the day. And guess what? He had a big picture that was on the wall in, in the one end of his dining room. And it had Andre with five other waitresses, two on his arm and one kind of on his back. Yeah, I seen that picture. But he, yeah. You believe somebody stole it off his wall. He didn't have it. Like but about, about seven, eight, nine years ago, somebody stole it off his wall. Wow. You know? Yeah. So that so went ahead and tried to get him as many autographs and he's been with me on different things and he meets a lot of guys, but Arnie used to come in there religiously and Arnie got him and gave him tickets. They sat him in his account, sat in the front row for the first WrestleMania. Wow. So, really so how did this, fun. how did it, uh, you know, like you said, you were, you were a fan uh, your whole life and, and you're, and you're right, you know, forget, I mean, Minnesota certainly was a huge territory, but a lot of folks don't know what in that area of Pennsylvania. And plus you weren't that far from, from New York. So you probably got to see a, a lot of these guys. When did it start becoming, uh, you know, something for you to you you became interested in and say, hey, you know what, I might give this a shot. And then how did that shot happen? Well, um, here's how it happened. <laughs> we were uh, both got, you know, we're sags out of college now. I'm out of the army, and yeah. uh, you know. The nasty boys will be nasty boys. I, that's all I'll say about that right there. But then we got, got back home and then we were got back with the gang and was, you know, pretty wild and crazy and uh, got in some trouble here and there. And my dad, as I said, was a, he was the head mechanic at the township, at the Whitehall Township. And, uh, you know, so the, the cops, you know, regularly knew his son's name coming across the deal. So, so you, you'd say, wait a minute now, Brian, you say, you said trouble. Now what, what uh, level of trouble are we talking? <laughs> oh, well, Christmas Carolyn make it with a bunch of the guys, you know? <laughs> okay. Uh, and then, then, you know, then when everybody came, we're, we're all running naked, you know, splitting each other's ways to, so he yeah. wouldn't get caught. But Sags got caught. <laughs> <laughs> Did he always get caught? Was he <laughs> the, the the cop the, the police officer that pulled yeah. us over? His name was Sefcheck, and later became the chief. But he came up and he, said, he saw it with Saggy. You Saganovich, yeah, you again. You should yeah. be ashamed of yourself with the little thing you have. You shouldn't be doing. <laughs> so we got you know he got off and he get but stuff like that. You know what I mean? Nothing really major. No, <laughs> you know, like. Trouble, You're not trouble, backing but, trucks up at the back of stores late at night or not anything no, like no, that. Nothing, no, nothing like that. You know, always, it was always for rowdy or or crazy or having or fun in some fights or getting in fights with uh, you know at bars. Usually it was usually it was with the bouncers. You know that would have cop an attitude and then you know you know so uh, you know you something here and there. You know, <laughs> but nothing nothing uh, that was 
get arrested for nothing like yeah. that. Okay. You know what I mean? So, but uh, when it got to a point, uh, our good friend, me and Sag's good friend is Matt Millen. And for those who don't know who Matt Millen is, he played a long time in the NFL. He has four Super Bowl rings. He yeah. started, he was a big star at Penn State, first of all. And he's, he lives, he's about five years older than us. And he's from White All High School. He's from Hawk and Dockwa, you know, and, uh, you know, everybody knows everybody. So, you know, right. who Sags' family, the Millens knew Sags' family very well. Well, his brother Eddie went to school with us, graduated us. He passed away now. You know, he's been passed. So uh, he uh, pulled us aside and said, uh, you know, he wanted to talk to us. So he took us over to his house. I think it's, I don't know what your first, maybe the third, second, third year he's been playing for Oakland Raiders. You know, that's who he got drafted by. And uh, he said, hey, man. You know, I love you guys to death, but you, you keep on doing the stuff you're doing, you're going to wind up in jail, and, you know, you definitely don't want that. So he said, uh, you know, you got you to gotta do something, you know, uh, with your life here. So he said, now, okay. how, how old are you at this time, at this point in time? 20, maybe 21, 22. Yeah, you're back out of the Army, and you're just... Uh... About 21, 22, yeah. Yeah, okay. And, and so then, what did he, what, what happened then? Well, you know, well, the bar, the main thing was the bar fighting, you know, the, getting in the bar fights. You know, we got, uh, we were known for that. And so you're good at it. <laughs> we didn't lose too much, put it that way. So, okay. Okay. So anyway, when Matt sat us down and told us that, you know, he looked at me cause he knew, you know, me from when I was small and everything, you know, so he just said, uh, you know, Nobs, you always loved that professional wrestling. Did you ever try to, you know, try to maybe go in that? Uh-huh. And I thought to myself, well, that ain't bad. And I looked at SAG, and SAG kind of liked it too. You know, SAG, you'd watch it, but I was really a fanatic. I was like, <laughs> I was crazy over it. I went when I was a kid to Hamburg, you know, and superstar Billy Graham. I, I'm going to ask Vince if he ever has which episode. I don't know what year it would have been, but uh, when superstar Billy Graham came out, we made shirts that superstar is number one. And we were showing them like this, but, you know, when they just had the rope around the ring, I was so excited. I was a little kid yeah. and Superstar got on the apron then went like, you know, way to the, the, the cameras. Then he looked at me and pointed. I went, oh, my God, he's pointing at me. He came down, took my uh, Superstars number one shirt and gave me his Adidas shirt that was huge. You know, at the time, you yeah. know, Superstar was so huge. Yeah, he but, was uh, huge, yeah. So, and then I was so happy I got his shirt. He gave it to me. I was holding it up. And I kept that for years to say, I got to grow into this size if I want to be a pro wrestler. But I go all the way back to then. So after he said that, you know, I thought, hey, that's a good idea. Me and Sag talked. So then we proceed to you, you be our nasty boy selves and stalk George the Animal Steel after TV tapings in Allentown. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah, we were, would try to ask him questions, this and that. And our one buddy was a manager at the Quality Inn where they all stayed. And then one night we were back and, and he was, you know, out in the car and we kept on driving around, driving around, driving around. So he finally called us and he called me because our the manager of the hotel gave it to George and George called us and he said, come on down uh, if you can and, you know, let me take a look at you, you know. Yeah. And I said, oh, my God, I'm, I'm so sorry, Mr. Steele, but I am working and SAG is working. No, we can't come down. And here, George had Jimmy Schnooker, Bob Orton Jr., I think Paul Orndorff waiting to stretch us, you know? Uh, so yeah, yeah. He was waiting to stretch us. So, uh, so we did that at the time. He told us after we got in. And uh, we said, sorry, Mr. 
feel we can't we can't make it down. He goes, well, if you guys are really serious, the only camp you should go to and you need to go to is Vern Gagne's camp. That'll either make you or break you. Yeah. So we so then that's when we wrote the letters up to Vern and Brad Reagan's you know got a hold of us. We gave we had to give references and everything. Matt Millen was one of our references. You know, it was a real you know like you're filling out an application for a job. And we went up there and paid our money and we stayed on the bottom of Brad's house. So the camp was right there. When you wake up, you go outside, there's the camp. We went five days a week, four to five hours a day with Brad Reagans, who's 1976, if people don't know who he is, is an Olympic bronze medal winner. And then in 80, they boycotted the Olympics, but in 1979 World Games, he beat the Russians. So if he would have beat the Russian the year the next year, which he beat him once already, he would have probably won a gold medal in the 80s. But then he yeah. went to Pernganya's and you know, if you you met uh, I think Sean, you met Brad, right? Brad, yeah, I'm know? sure, I'm sure along the line I did. But I want to get back to this before because you you you, you know you, you just don't get into Ganya's school. And and it, it, I don't know if George was if he saw any talent in you guys or he was just trying to get rid of you by having these guys stretch you. But talk a little bit about, though, Brian, really uh, how, uh, you know, you just don't show up and and a no. door gets opened. So how, how tough was it to and, and to get well, in at that point? Say, well, first of all, like I said, we had to fill out an, an application to go up there and references. Yeah. And they yeah. called Matt. They called Matt. And that was helpful because Matt Millen played for the NFL. Yeah. You know, and they liked athletic you know Vern always liked athletic ability saw sag was football went to Ferrum college you know and right. you know so they looked into us we just didn't get okay come on up you know yeah, and they still they, stretch you right to see if you see what you're made of yeah and and, and brad and, and matt millen told us hey they called me about you guys you know i gave you a good reference to you know go up there so if you go up there do a hell of a job you know yeah. do what you gotta do you know yeah. so yeah. when they said you know you're accepted. We we went up to Vern's and, you know, and believe it or not, <laughs> we went up to Vern's with these haircuts. We had these, we, you know, and you, you know. The, the side shaved and the, and the party in back going already? It's already stepping over the line, though, you know, because yeah. we didn't know what the Road Warriors were at the time. Yeah, we right. did. We got yeah. W, no, because we got the WWF. Right. So we did the, we never got NWA, so we didn't know who the road or, or AWA. You know, we yeah. didn't know who, who uh, the road warriors were at the time. But, but a lot of people thought we were trying to imitate them coming up. But we just had this crazy idea to give ourselves mohawks even six months before we got into the business. We just uh -huh. I, me and Sag gave ourselves mohawks for some reason because we're that crazy. Out. Yeah, you know. But uh, that's how we we went in. We went up to camp like that and. I want to tell you, just if anybody's seen Ric Flair's 30 for 30, because he went through the same camp. Uh -huh. They go, and we started with 22 people, and me and Sags are the only ones that's, that that made it through. And I, the only wow, reason it's like SEAL camp here. <laughs> yeah, well, oh, my word. How many, how many started? 22. And you were the only two that lasted? Yep. Wow. That's okay. because our car broke down and we lived on the bottom of Brad's. We were stuck. You had nowhere to go? There was nowhere to go back home. We were stuck. You know? yeah. uh, the, but there was too much stuff. There was no way we were going back home. You know, yeah. we, we had it in our minds. I mean, Sag had, I had broken ribs. Uh, and Sag was urinating blood during the thing. And I'm telling you, they really, you know, it wasn't only Brad. Billy Robinson come down. For those who don't know who Billy Robinson is, he's an actual 
you know, he's not just a pro wrestler, but he knows how to shoot and break ankles and legs. We had a lot of people come through that knew uh, Jeff Blatnick, who's not even a pro wrestler, would come down and just throw us around, you know, give us a thing. And for three months, Sean, the wrestling, professional wrestling ring never got put up. We wrestled on wrestling mats, mm-hmm. just doing different stuff and, you know, drilling in, you know, conditioning, real wrestling, which yeah. is uh, the Greco-Roman style, then round yeah. robins, Brad Reagans, who's an Olympic champion. It was, it was crazy, uh-huh. you know, and, but it, it got you into shape. And it, I must say, best thing we ever did and it taught you respect for the business. It really did. That's what that's what they were about back then. And I'll tell you, I heard stories about Stu Hart's camp also yeah, and about right. Eddie Camp's camp down in Florida. And that's the way it was back there. There was a few good camps that, you know, if you went through them camps, you got accolades from different promoters that you went and finished that camp. And like I said, Rick Flair is 30 for 30. Yeah. Him and Steamboat both went through the camp and were talking about Vern's camp. And man, they went out to kill you. They really did. Well, they wanted to see if you could uh, you could last because uh, you, their name was on you once you left that yeah. camp. So but, right, and you know what? You would no way because of the, you know, and you know what? I know times have changed and everything, but there's no way that no one would be able to have a camp like that these days because you you know. The- Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. You know, with, uh, you know, human resources or, or oh. anything. <laughs> yeah. You, you would never have a camp like that where you yeah. go and torture people. You know, <laughs> that's, that's what it was like. Yeah. The best was, Sean, when we were, after we, four or five hours, after Brad beat the living tar, tar dog out of us. Then yeah. Vern would come every once in a while with his suit on and then take off his suit down to his down, take off his shirt and get down on the mat and then stretch us even more. Where <laughs> even though Vern was a tough man and knew how to yeah. wrestle back in the day, but he was getting up there then, you know, he's but was probably late 60s or whatever. But he would shoot on us after we after five hours of Brad torturing us and put us in them holes that you're screaming for your life, almost like Stu Hart did, you know. And, and Billy Robinson, Ray, Ray Stevens was really good though on the work. And Wahoo was stiff. Wahoo too would come up and kill us. But Ray was always the uh, Ray Stevens, the crippler, would always be there with the psych, psychological part of the business and really tell you, you got to do this, you got to do that, you know. So, but but all of them combined, you know what I mean. And then also when we in '88, then when we came down here, another one of our mentors and liked us real good was Dusty Rhodes. I mean. 
I mean, how can you beat that? I mean, the American yeah. dream. And up there, after we got through camp, even before we were done with camp, they were all partying, the AWA guys. So you had the Road Warriors there, Mr. Perfect. Uh, I forget who all the, the, the top stars were at the time. And, and I said, uh, yeah, we're, we thought we were going to call ourselves the mercenaries. You know, uh -huh. I said, we're the mercenaries. And when we get done with camp, we're going to be partying with you guys. And now Oops. years later, when I thought about that, you know, I'm laughing because I, I imagine what they were thinking. Jimmy Schnickel. Yeah, no kidding. Why? Yeah, what are they thinking of me and Sag coming up? Hey, we'll finish with that. We're going to be partying with you guys. Like, yeah, right, you brony. Who are you anyway? Get out of here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it, it worked out good. You know, it was really, it was really good, good, uh, you know, like when we got out of camp, before we got out of camp, I swear, Brad Reagans called Kurt Henning and said, I want to tell you, uh, Kurt, I got two guys in camp that you're going to love, and I think they're going to make it in the wrestling business. He told them that before we were even out of it, when we were just with Brad. You know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. then all of a sudden, Mr. Perfect got involved, and he was truly a mentor to us. I mean, really? right from the beginning. Oh, yes. Oh, are you kidding me? Yeah, he was, and, and and with ribs and everything. He was taught by Fuji, you know? And, yeah. and, and his dad was such a great wrestler and a good guy, you know what I mean? Yeah, Larry but, the Axe. Right from the beginning, 86, yeah. man, took us under his wing. I got to, I take my hat off to him and wish he was around here. I love him. I miss him every day, man. Yeah. I really do. Yeah, and he was definitely one of my favorites. He was the prime time. Was he not hilarious or not? He oh. was just naturally <laughs> funny. You know what I mean? He yeah. would always come up with something. Yeah. Um, this is, we're talking like, this is 85, 86 right now. And uh, with, with the AWA, was that really your first, uh, you know, when things really started happening for you guys? Well, they took us right in. Yeah. Right after. I mean, that's a great, that's a great place. I mean, to start, I mean, most, most of these guys would have to go down to these smaller territories in Georgia and, you know, uh, well, so. That's right. The wrestle, Sean, we yeah. paid our dues. The first thing we did was we had a job, ring truck driving. Right. Really? Ring for about six months, I think around about five, six months. And we were still, wrestling on the side you know here and there and sometimes if we, we set up the ring they would have us wrestle also and then rip down the ring you know so we were we were paying our we were paying our dues while we were doing it right and you're so, still doing matches at this point in time or are they uh you're basically well, every once in a while they would put boys. us in a match against somebody to get our our, our asses kicked you know right. yeah so they would put us in a match but mainly we were there to drive the ring so then uh you know, then two two things started happening. One time, one time the ring didn't show up to a town, but it wasn't our fault. But we got blamed for it, of course. Yeah. You know, that was one thing that happened. And the next thing that happened, and then we also would referee. We refer, you know, we we set the ring and ref before we ever went to wrestle. Then then they would, after we were good with the ref, and then they put us in the wrestling matches. So it was like all paying to do. <laughs> wait, wait. You know? So the ring didn't show up, but it wasn't your fault. Uh, no, that no, sounds I like a great I story. I think <laughs> there was another ring truck driver, and he tried. He was around for a while, and he blamed it on us. But nobody contacted us to to bring the ring, even though the ring was parked at Brad's. You know, oh, okay. and something. We got all the heat for it. Put it that way. We got the heat right from the get go. And the Rockers, who were Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty, didn't help the situation either because they became good friends of ours too. So, <laughs> but not at that point. <laughs> Yeah, but there's a, I got to tell a quick story. So we're, we're late to the ring. And, you know, it's still at, even in that time, the, the main eventers, which were like Kurt, 
um, I guess uh, Colonel De Beers, Buddy Rose, you know, they were yeah. all riding together. I think Jimmy Schnicker was with them, and they're riding to a town and they're late, and they're coming up. And Kurt tells the but Kurt used to tell the story, and he's riding, he's riding, and he looked up like to the left, and they're ready to pass him. He goes, "Man, that looks like uh, our ring truck." And everyone goes, that can't be the ring truck. We're late. The ring truck's already set up. <laughs> Don't they pass the truck? And there's me and Sam. They waved at us. We waved at them. They got there before us. We got there. And boy, after getting the good, you know, butt chewing, old ass chewing, we, we, we got the ring set up. And then you know, bygones would be got bygones. But when the ring didn't show up to a town, that happened after. We got blamed. In, in the, when we got called in the office, Vern said, Never in my 29 years of being in this business did the ring never show up to it. <laughs> would they, they have to put mats on the floor? <laughs> well, I know. They, they, I think they canceled the show. They didn't, they didn't oh, rest. man. So, it cost them, it man, cost them it money. really wasn't our fault, I'm telling you. We, yeah. we, we caught a lot of geef for that, but it wasn't our fault. So then they decided finally to say, you know what? Let's just put them in the ring and beat them up. <laughs> yeah, we can't trust them with the ring, so we might as well put them in it. Is that what it came down to? Yeah, that's what it came down to, you know. So, but were you were, were you originally did were you the nasty boys from the start, uh, or did well, you have some other gimmick? We ourselves the mercenaries. Okay. And then before uh, we ever got to, to you know we wrestled singles for for just a little bit, you know, at the TV shows, uh, you know, as Brian Nobbs and Jerry Sags, and there wasn't too much of that before they teamed us up, and rarely ever. And you knew it back in the day, there was always a veteran with a young guy. It was never two young guys ever tag teaming together, ever. At that, at that time, it was always they put a young guy with a veteran. But mm -hmm. somehow they put us together because we grew up together, you know. But uh, before we, uh, uh, you know, got into actually wrestling as a team or anything, we, you know, we went out with Donna Gagne, which was Vern's daughter. And she was out with us. And we had a good night, blah, blah, blah. Now this happened, and we went. We went back, and then the next morning we got to the office. <laughs> this <laughs> happened, and blah blah blah. Was, was well, it wait, something wait, that I, would have upset Vern? Is what? what the, oh, no, it didn't upset Vern. We we uh, we just acted. We were kind of like acted ourselves from Allentown. We were wild when we went out, little uh, crazy, little uh, wild, and you know, it's just like we always were. But didn't cause no trouble or nothing. But drinking had a had a great time. But uh, you know got a little bit nasty. How can I say, you know? So when we got back to the office the next day, she was at the office and she called us in and she says, hey, I want to talk to you guys. And we said, yeah, how you doing? Donna? We had a great time. I said, she had a good time too, but I want to ask you guys, you want to call yourself the mercenaries, but last night I went out with you and you know what? He's acted like a bunch of nasty boys. I just want to tell you. And also me and Sag looked at each other and went, and that, that's a good name. And we go, okay, Donna did. She goes, well, you know, and sometimes when you go out, you have to calm down this and that. But when we left there, me and Sag kept that in our heads and yeah. said, you know what? That's what we should call ourselves, the Nasty Boys. So it was uh -huh. with help and, and going out with her that night and acting our crazy, nasty self that got us the name. Because she said it to us. And right when she said it, me and Sag said, that's it. great name. Yeah. So what about the gimmick, though? I mean, how did you guys decide, you know, the, the well, coats, first, the haircuts? The... Hey, first, we were the nasty boys. So the only, the only, when we, our first outfits were spandex gold tights with a, a resting <laughs> top, black. And our, our okay. bodies weren't best, okay? But it was like an Olympic top, like uh, Kurt 
Where, but we had to, and that was black and spandex. Yeah, you guys were never accused of being bodybuilders, right? That oh, never no, was something. Exactly. <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah, we, we came out with these gold spandex pants, regular wrestling, black wrestling boots, and the uh, Olympic black spandex, uh, you know, like Kurt Angle Olympic tops there, you know? Huh? So, but we went over that. We wanted to say, we, well, we should have leather jackets or something. So, we couldn't get leather jackets at the time. We didn't have the, really the money. We we're just starting. So we went to the big woman's plus store and we found uh, uh, big ladies uh, <laughs> raincoats that were shiny black raincoats that looked kind of like leather. Kind of, uh, Kurt used to go, what did you buy that pleather at? Yeah. Leather. <laughs> so, but it actually shiny. worked on TV. But it was shiny and they were actually... Uh, <laughs> A large women's large women's store. Okay. Women's store. Women's raincoat. What are you wearing? I'm wearing uh, big and tall women's. <laughs> <laughs> and then we put glasses on, and then so we had that kind of look already going on. But, then, but it wasn't from like the movie, like the Road Warriors kind of because you have that. That's kind of the look, you know the. Yeah, we we never thought about the Road Warriors, yeah. you know, because we, we then had known who they were, and they came up with the spikes and everything. So we were yeah, but the, I don't mean I don't mean like that look of of like the Road Warriors with the with the, the I'm talking like the movie, you know, the the Mel Gibson uh, with those, you know, everybody had the 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 shaved side of their head, and, and I think that I don't I didn't it come out about that time. We never we never we like I said we shaved our heads before we came in, so that was we even thought of that that movie either, and then. We, we thought about the leather and the glasses ourselves, and we still had the Olympic stuff on. And then until we got down to, we left AWA, but we were there a year, about a year and a half. And in 87, we went down to uh, Tennessee, you know, uh, Je uh, Jerry Jarrett's territory with uh, Lawler, uh, Jerry Lawler, the king. And the king is the one that's called us in one time and said, hey, you guys call your nasty boys. And you got the, them, you know, kind of looking like leather jackets on in dark sunrise, but you know, you don't really look like you're from the streets and stuff, you know, yeah. well, you know, uh, you know, you get, you should think more on that fact. And then after that, we, you know, we got back to our apartment, we were thinking, and then right away, you know, my, my subject was our bodies don't look that great, but our arms look good. So why don't we wear, you know, a, like a cut off sweatshirt and cover up our bodies? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, and just have our arms hanging. Say, well, that ain't a bad idea. And then we said, we'll put our names on the front, you know, and then maybe splash the shirt like a graffiti, you know, like it's on a wall. Uh. And he goes, yeah, maybe we were, me and Tag were just going back and forth to each other. And then we came up with that. And then we got the, the, the little black, like biker gloves that the fingers are cut out, like Rocky Balboa wears in that second movie. Yeah. Okay. You know? We got those. And then we came back with that and they, you know, they liked it, but Lawler goes, that's good, but this is what I would like to do. And he's an artist, so he actually painted our faces, not like the Road Warriors, but different styles. So I had a different shape, and I had a different shape. And then when he wasn't around, we had to do it ourselves, and it looked like uh, kindergarten kids finger painting us <laughs> on the face. So, so we had side really hated it. Didn't you know? quite have that talent Lawler had, huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so after we left, we, we, we spent about a year and a half down there, and then uh, AWA called us back up. We went back up to the AWA, and uh, that's when we got rid of the paint. And then we started really honing in, you know, on you know Tennessee helped us good because we were wrestling every night. Uh, we won the you know the 
Mid-South Tag Team titles down there. And, you know, there were a lot of good people down there. Bill Dundee, Rocky Johnson, the Moondogs were down there at the time. I mean, the RPMs. And then Jeff Jarrett was only a kid at the time. We kind of, you know, took him under our wing. He was just starting out, and we were at about a year or two in. So Jeff, what a, you know, still a good friend to this day. Uh, great guy. And, you know, we just, a lot of good people, a lot of good input. And, you know, uh, just, just had a lot of, lot, lot of fun down there. Yeah. And another uh, famous announcer. We went from famous announcers to famous announcers. Because Lance, you know, he was an unbelievable wrestling announcer, too, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, Brian, you are, you're perfect for this podcast when we talk because we, I get off the track all the time, and we certainly have, certainly have done that. But, I, you know, it, it's just so interesting to see how, you know, these characters come together because it's, it's all part of your performance uh, you know, of, of what you're going to, how you present yourself, then you've got it, then you've got to actually get it done in the ring. And, and so, uh, let, you know, take me on a little tour here of like when you guys really started getting serious, where you were, you were getting, uh, uh starting to see you're becoming among the elite that you're getting better and better as professional wrestlers, because you, know you had to uh, do it. You had to perform. Uh, you couldn't just was- look good. Well, like I said, it was a different time. Now, now, now yeah. remember, we, we we were in AWA, so uh, Shawn Michaels, a really good friend of mine also, he used to live with us at Brad's for a while, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, and Marty Jannetty, who at the time, they were the up-and-coming guys, but they were doing all the real wild shit of, you know, different good combinations, you know, sliding underneath the legs, yeah. doing yeah. really, really some amazing stuff. Yeah. And then Buddy Rose and Doug Summers, Buddy Rose was an unbelievable worker. So it's sometimes who you work with also that helps you out, even though Sean's only like a year or two, I think maybe one more year in the business than we were. And Marty was uh, maybe uh, one or two more years in the business than we were also. But it's the people you work with and also – that every day, because uh, the Rockers actually came down to Mid-South and was down there with us for a while, too. And Pat Tanaka and Paul Diamond, uh, who, you know, were the Orient Express in the WWF, they were down there at the time. So a lot had to do with riding in the car, talking, you know, all of us together, who's ever wrestling. And a lot of times it was with, uh, you know, Sean and, and Marty and, and having a couple beers and talking over the match and talking over you know, you know, what we can do to make this better. And how about this? And how about, you know, your character here? And, and we would all discuss it because we were all friends. So yeah. that all helped. And us, we never thinking like to ourselves, oh, I'm getting better. I should be here. I'm getting, we just knew we had to just keep on working harder and have the best match there is that night on the show. And that's what, that what we usually strive for. We didn't ever worry about what's going to happen down in the future. It was that night, that show, Let's tear the roof off the place. Let's be the hit of the show. You know what yeah. I mean? And that's the mindset we always went in. To the, yeah, and and, uh, and getting you know kind of into the science of this because uh, and especially along that time when you're coming up, you know, you're starting to see, uh, and it really became popular in the WWF where you started seeing uh, these you know high flyers, these you know fantastic moves which we see today are just you know out of this world. But back then you saw it really start developing. Like you start talking about people like uh, Shawn Michaels and being able to do some of the stuff that that the Rockers were doing, but when you're, uh, you know, that wasn't that wasn't the Nasty Boys. So tell me, uh, in the science of this, how do you have a good match with a tag team like that? 
because you certainly did. I mean, and you would not have reached the heights that you did if you you couldn't do that. So how do you have a great match when you're going when you're, you know, doing that with another tag team that that's that's their their show. They they have these great athletic moves. How we were trained, Sean. From from the, the school, Fern Gagne School, taught by Brad Reagans, from learning all the basics, arm drags, hip tosses, body slams, back drops, all hit you know, how to hit the, the turnbuckle correctly, how to do this correctly, how to do all the so you can have a regular match. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because at yeah. first we weren't the nasty boys. We were out there having regular matches, you know. So this way, when the nasty boys and our, our deal came about. You know, it wasn't like the Road Warriors where they, they, they got together and it was kill everybody right away. Yeah. We actually, you know, worked in that, our, our way where when it was time, we were already groomed to, we had our character kind of down because the difference between now uh, and, to, I mean, and back then is they have a, producers and stuff writing for the different wrestlers. Yeah. But back in our day, it, it your actual, you're called the Nasty Boys or Hacksaw Jim Duggan or that's, Stone Cold Steve Austin, that's actually part of you. Inside is coming out. Your per- actual personality, your maybe second second person is coming out also when you're, you're and it's part of you. So that's why, you know, a lot of the characters, you know, back, you know, when we were growing up and all that stuff, you know, they appeal and everything because that's part of who they really are. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, you were no, able to really develop it too, and were allowed to have these these matches where you were uh, yes. able to do that, right? Yes. Well, you know, you know well, you know as well as anybody. I mean, especially you know when we first got to the WWF. But yeah. When you did interviews, you were in the booth, and then another booth, and then another booth before the, the wrestling show even started that night. And I don't know how many interviews you went through for every town you would do an interview, either with Mean Gene or you were in there or, you know, yeah. Lord Alfred Hayes or whoever it was. And you, you'd go down that list and you'd be in there forever. You know, it was, it was, you know, it was hot and grueling, but you did it. And that was, and, and you learned from that, you know, to go through each and individual and nobody wrote down what we just had the bullet points of the building, what time and who we were wrestling and then the interview was kind of ours, and we went and did our thing. And I mean, some some of the best interviews were done at that time. You know, Hulkster, yeah. Dusty Rhodes. I mean, even superstar Billy Graham. I mean, just, the list goes on and on. The good talkers in this business, you know, the Stone Colds and the Rock, and yeah. you know. But that's, well, that's, and, and I really, I really want to get into that because that is that was another major part of how you, you get over, especially when you reach uh, the WWF. But I, I saw an interview a, a while ago uh, that uh, that involved you and, and Jerry, and I, I found it you know just fascinating when you were talking about you know going up against different tag teams, and uh, you know you guys were certainly big men, but you uh, some of the greatest matches you had were against guys that were even bigger, and I, I'm just I'm yeah, fascinated by this. Yeah, exactly. But. Yeah. Uh, but I, I was fascinated just by when you talk about like going up against someone like the Road Warriors, you know, or LOD as we also knew them, uh, you know, uh, Demolition. And they were completely different matches than, say, going up against a team like the Rockers. The Rockers. But, right. you know, and, and people always, you know, they talk, oh, they, these were stiff matches. These were, these were brawls. Well, you know what? They were. And and uh, talk a little bit about some of those those matches where, you know, I'll say, for example, uh, you know, with with Hawk and Animal, where you know Joe 
could bench press, you know, 700 and something pounds. I mean, he legitimately could pick a human being up off a mat, uh, base, barely bending his legs and, and do a complete straight lift. Uh, what t- <laughs> yeah. talk about some and of the way those some, matches for some went. Reason, I always had him with the spots and Sag always had Hawk, you know, what's <laughs> up with that? You know, so, oh, yeah. <laughs> I said, I, I joke with Joe now. I say, yeah, your first spot was okay. I'll pick you up. I'll throw you in the third row. Then I'll come out and get you. Try <laughs> slam you again, throw you in. Then I'll throw give you back. three tackles. Take your, take your head off with the clothesline. Uh, let me see. And after that, I'll power bomb you. And I'm like, okay. Uh, <laughs> and if I'm still uh, conscious. That's job. And that's just the first spot. <laughs> yeah. No, but how, tell me, I mean, how grueling were those matches? And they weren't three minute matches, especially when you guys did house shows. No, not at all. We went at, you know, always, always, you know, 15 and above 20, you know, huh. it was, it was, you know, it goes, uh, you know, first of all, it goes all the way back to, uh, you know, the, the match that got us to the WWE or WWF at the time. Yeah. was Halloween Havoc in uh, 1990, and it was uh, us against the Steiners. Yeah, and, wow. Uh, we got into WCW. Uh, now, now, remember, you know, our upbringing is, you know, blue collar. Uh, you know, back then, you know, there was no knives and guns. When you had a fight, you fought with yeah. fists. Right. You know? And uh, we were barroom fighters from from Lehigh Valley, from Pennsylvania. I mean, that was that's we we were. You know, we went to college and did this and that. But you know, that's why Matt had that conversation with us. So, you know, we knew how to fight. That, that ain't a problem. You know what I mean? So right. when we got to WCW, no one really wanted to wrestle the Steiners at the time. They were they were hurting people. They were throwing people around. Hey, they were Michigan, uh, you know, football and wrestling and and superstar. NCAA, you know, college wrestlers there too. Yeah, so yeah. they, you know, they knew what the heck they were doing. They could suplex you, do anything they wanted to do anytime. So, and they didn't mean to hurt nobody. It's not like they went to hurt yeah. people on purpose. They were just doing their, yeah. Yeah. right. Exactly. But people, you know, so not too many people wanted to work with them at the time. And when we came in, they asked, well, we want to put you against Stein. Did you have a problem with that? We had hell no, you know, right. put us in there. So they, they threw us around like rag dolls and we punched them in the face as hard as we could. And we loved each other. We had yeah. the greatest matches. Yeah. yeah. So, so we, we had Halloween havoc and they said, you're going 24 minutes. We went for a pay-per-view on 24. Okay, here we go. And we tore it up. We had the best match of the night and it, it, it you know, turned out good. And then we were coming up to the finish and they asked us, what do you want to do? And, you know, beat, you know, what do you, how do you want to finish it? You know? So, you know, we didn't know, we, we didn't really want to get beat. We had, you know, we were there for a little bit. Now we know it might be time to leave or whatever, but, uh, you know, talk to Kevin Sullivan, who we knew. And Kevin Sullivan goes, you know, when his ax is Boston, I said, well, out for you now. I'm like, I take the Frankensteiner in the middle, let him beat you, you know, and then get right. to And, you know, it was back in the day. I said, you know, and we had respect for each, each, each other, you know, us and the Steiners, we loved each other. We were good friends. And we never complained. We had good times on the road. So we never complained. And we got we got along fantastic with them. And right. that's what I also made the matches good, just like when we went against the Rockers. Uh, but I took the Frankensteiner, and then afterwards we, we hurt uh, Ricky. And then we came back when Scotty was out there on the mic. We, we trashed him and let him lay in again. You know what I mean? So yeah. that, was the, that was the one big thing. And then 
in the, you know, when we had the, the belt signing, it was for the United States tag team titles. You know, it wasn't really supposed to happen. We, we smashed them and let them lay on the table and everything at the signing. And, and I forget where we were. The match was in Chicago. I think this might have been in Philly. And no one ever did that to the Steiners before. So it was a big thing. Then we had a 24-minute awesome match with him. Uh, Sag got busted, hard weight over his head. Blood was coming down. We still kept wrestling. I mean, the, the, the moves they used on us, and we still kept getting back up, and then we would hit them with something. And I mean, it was really an awesome match. And right after that, two days later, Hulk called me and said, Vince wants to talk to you guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, he wants to know if you guys want to go work for him. And I thought Hulk was kind of bullshitting me a little bit, but he said, no, Vince wants to talk to you. And I... And, after that, I said, uh, uh, you know, we talked to Vince and me and Sag talked and, you know, that was our goal. No matter where I was, ESPN, yeah, really? I was on ESPN, I was on in the WCW, no matter what, I would always call home and my old man, my dad, good old, he's still hanging in there, 85, would go, well, you're not in WWF yet, kid. <laughs> he would always yeah. say that to me, you're not in the yeah. WWF yet, kid. Yeah. So, you know, it was time and we went, we went up and, and, uh, you know. Then when I finally got, you know, we, we, we got up there in 90 and then 91, right there, WrestleMania seven, we're going for the belts already. So that was, a. Uh, how was that? What was that phone call like though? When you, when you got to call your pop? Oh, well, and, listen, I called my pop before and I never smartened my family up. So I told them that this is the biggest match of my life. Uh, you know, what do you, you know, if I, if I lose this, I'll probably be back down again. You know, I'll, you'll, you'll see me at home. Isn't that <laughs> a big yeah. pep talk, you know? And and he didn't come out to WrestleMania. My brother and all all of our crazy crew did. You know, all the guys I was talking about before came out to see us. But my dad, no, he was getting older. He didn't want to fly, and um, my mom didn't either. So, uh, you know, uh, I didn't get to I didn't get to the part though. After I was getting in all this, this trouble, you know, yeah. and, and Matt told us to go be a professional wrestler. Yeah, did go to my dad and told him I was going up to rest. They accepted us. And, uh, you know, uh, one of my friends, uh, gave me a money and one of Sag's friends gave him money. So we could go to camp and then we paid him back after we made it back and made money back and they were really cool about it. But, uh, if I'm finally going up to the wrestling school and just got out of the army and all the other crap that was going on with me and Sag. And I went to my dad, uh, Hey dad, uh, want to tell you something. I know what I want to do in life. And he's across the table from me. He goes, what's that son? And I said, um, I'm going to become a professional wrestler. And he looked at me and he put his arm up in the air and smashed it on the table. He goes, get down to reality, son, and get a fucking job. <laughs> <laughs> so when you, when you, what, what about when, what about when you made the call to after you had talked to Vince, you were coming to WWF. Yeah. Now, now we got to go back to the story. Yeah. You know, I, I made a WWF, but it's still, it, we got there in November and then all of a sudden WrestleMania is around the corner. So I called them. And he gave me a big, long speech. Yeah. So, you know, and I knew what was going on. So I knew I, I'm going to see how this goes. So I, I said, thank you, Dad. I appreciate it. I love you. So then that night, he had it, was watching it. And don't we, after we beat the Hart Foundation, me and Sag are laying on our backs. Jimmy Hart has his feet in here, and I have one belt. And I'm yelling, Dad, Dad, Dad. And it, it, sound, it sounds like, even if you watch it now, Dad. Dad, dad, but I was really saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. But to uh, this day, don't know it. Hopefully, he won't listen to this podcast. Yeah, okay, we won't let him let, let him in on that secret. But he <laughs> must have been uh, at some point. Did he tell you? Out there, he had tears in his eyes. Oh wow! Well, yeah. Down, 
And he, he was that proud. But I'll tell you what, he's almost like Brett Favre's dad. I heard I saw an interview on Brett Favre um, not too long ago. And his dad, even when he came home after he was successful, his dad still gave him it to him. And that's how my dad was, blue-collar worker, this and that. Yeah. But when I was gone and wasn't around, he, he brags me up to everyone. You know, my yeah. kid's wrestler, you know, he's, you know, he's on this, he does this, he does that. But when I'm around, he always, he always gives let me you that's what dads are for, you know? So he always keeps me on my toes. But but it was good. My mom told me he had tears in his eyes. and t- You know, they were rolling down when I was laying on the floor with the belt. So, yeah, it really made me proud. But yeah, so that, what and- about what about you guys when, when you did get that call? Like you said, this was, this was all you wanted, uh, you know, to get there. Uh, what, what did that mean to you? What do you recall of, of when you arrived in the WWF? Uh, at the time, as we always say, <laughs> nervous, nervous as hell, you know, yeah. and we knew what was good was we knew a lot of people already. So that yeah. was good. You know, we yeah. knew the rockers. We knew Now you, you were know, already, are we already close with Hulk? Cause you mentioned, I know you're great friends through uh, life we, here, but we came better friends later. But at the time we, we, we knew, knew each other. He came into my, we, me and Saggy Stone, a restaurant down here back in 88 when we were wrestling Japan we mm-hmm. bought in with a, a, a partner and, and Hulk used to come in, uh, to our restaurant, you know, and my wife, wife actually managed the restaurant and that's how I, I wooed her to, to marry me. And now 26 years later, she's going, how did he do that to me? Yeah. No, no, <laughs> but uh, she came in to manage, uh, manage the place. And was this Hulk down in Florida or were you still up in Florida? In- yeah. Right in Clearwater. You guys yeah, moved we, were, we were wrestling Japan. We were wrestling overseas at the time. You know, after AWA, we came down to Florida Championship Wrestling, and then we were wrestling overseas, you know, Japan. We went over to Japan, uh, old Japan, for BABA, for the tag team tournament, and this and that, and we we had a little bit of money, and the guy, we invested in his restaurant, and, you know, we were part owners in his restaurant, you know, uh, Maddie Seafood Shanty, right across from Clearwater Mall, so, but uh, anyway, we talked... uh, you know, to Hulk a, a, a bunch of times there, and he and he knew me and he had my number, and we went to a couple parties there because we were in town. We'd go over to his house when he had all the guys there, and Pat Patterson was there because everybody lived down in in the Tampa area at that time. I mean, everybody mm-hmm. was you know, either a condo or something. They may not have yeah, lived down. Right. Spent some time down here, so then we got to know everybody even before we got in, and then then you know we got in in '90, and we knew some of the people, and it was like same as always, Sean. We just put our we never thought about okay we need to do this we need to win the belts we were just going with the program and doing the best we can whoever they put with us we were going to make it the best match on the card that was our goal and we didn't do it every time but that was our goal that was our mindset to go out there every time and have the best match in the building you know you know and and when you look back at uh, the time you know when you're just trying to make it at Ganya school and uh you know, you were you were pretty fortunate that where you landed when you did start. But still, um, when you got to that point with the WWF, and, and it was huge then, uh, oh, yeah. did you have that chance to look around and say, you know, wow, uh, I can't believe that uh, this kid from Allentown, uh, we can't go, you know, everybody knows who we are. We travel the world. Everybody knows who we are. Uh, do you remember thinking about it at that point in time, or were you, like you said, just just working and trying to do the best you can every day? You know, when it hit me after WrestleMania Seven. Really? Yeah. Well, well, before even before WrestleMania Seven, when, when we were right. going into that, and we got out there early, and all of 
L.A. was uh, was hyped on WrestleMania yeah. 7. Yeah. And as you know, it was supposed to be at the Coliseum, but because of the war, because we still would probably have the biggest house ever. Yeah. Because at the time, you know, at the time it was still WrestleMania 3, but they wanted to have it at the Coliseum, which at that time, you know, WWF had over 100,000. It would have sold it out, but because of the, yeah. the, the war, they had to put it they put it smaller because it would have cost too much for security to get everybody in the big Coliseum and, and get the, the Coliseum up to par so you could handle all the security. So nothing was had to happen there. So they put it down to the sports arena, which was still marvelous. It didn't matter. But yeah. man, the 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 aura and the, the you know, like the, the the town, how electric it was for that WrestleMania. And you're talking about Los Angeles now, man, Hollywood, and, and all the stars that were in the in the audience. Henry Winkler, uh, 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 the Home Alone, what's his name? Colin McCockman was there. Uh, uh, I think Gladys. Not, I mean, so many different stars and actors and everything were there, and it was it was it was an honor. It really was. Well, you we know, were, uh, and we're going to get off the tracks here again, but we you talk in Hollywood and Los Angeles, and I know that you know through the years you've made quite a few friends because. Like Hacksaw would say, you know, he he will talk to anyone, and it doesn't matter what, what the situation is. Uh, did you? I mean, oh, you mean talk me? about, yeah, he with you. I think he said anybody. He goes, I was in places. He'd go up to you, Hefner. It didn't, you know. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I met Hacksaw. Hacksaw, Hacksaw met uh, Alec Baldwin with me. <laughs> Yeah, I'm thinking, and he said what's funny because he goes, you know, he's over there and he's like bugging this guy, and I'm thinking he's going to like call security, and the next thing he goes, they're pals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, we we wrestled at the time. It was WCW was out there, and uh, you yeah. know, I, at the time I got to know a lot of people. So uh, uh, the Schuster brothers, uh, Stan and Brian, and Stan owns the Grand Havana, which is a private cigar bar in Beverly Hills, and he owns one in New York also. And it's a real elite club and, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and everybody goes there, you know, it's private. And so, you know, I can go there whenever I want because of Hulk and Hulk got me to introduce me to the the, the guys and the brothers and, and we became good friends. So even when Hulk ain't there, he tells me to come over. So I brought Hacks over there before Hacks had to go wrestle. We had a few drinks and I wasn't wrestling that night. And Alec Baldwin was in there and. He's from New York and Hacksaw from New York. And I got them together and they were talking all about, you know, because Hacksaw's from upstate New York and yeah, the Charles there too, you know. So it was really cool. All right. You got to give me some more Hollywood stories because I know you've got a lot of pals out there. And, <laughs> and, 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 and how you walked yourself into a lot of these situations. Well, I was just being me. I'm, I'm a very friendly person, uh, you know, and I just, you know, I'm, I love I love sports. I love movies. You know, so when I see someone and give them their due, I always, you know, if I didn't meet them, I always give them their due. I mean, first of all, I've been friends with uh, Willie Nelson for for man forever since 1988, and uh, that happened. Yeah, you've been up on stage with him, right? Yeah, I've been on stage, been on stage with Farm Eight. Even I had hacks on her, (laughs) my wife Tony, and hacks on his wife. We're we're at uh, Farm Eight. Singing the last song with uh, John Cougar, Mellencamp, uh, Neil Young, uh, I think uh, Dave Matthews was up there, Hootie and the Blowfish singing, made a circle being broken at the end of the concert at the, in South Carolina. And we had the, and it was on TV too. We had the greatest, it was, it was some, it was some fun, you know? Uh, and uh, what's his name? Crosby was there from Crosby, Stills and Nash. And we were just singing right along with them. Yeah. Who would have thought, you know? So 
Uh, but Willie, uh, I got to meet Willie here in Florida when we were Florida Championship Wrestling, and Dusty had come back and took over Florida Championship Wrestling uh, and was partners with Mike Graham and Steve Kern, and we were wrestling down here at the time with the Florida Tag Team Champs, and we were wrestling in um, Sarasota, and he sent me and Sagan Dustin, Gold Dust, his son, over to meet Willie. And Willie was backing up. Everybody had left, and Willie's bus was the only one there at Ruth Eckert Hall. And we stopped it, and all of a sudden we said, hey, hello. And the, the bus driver, now that I know him, I know them very well since 88, the whole family, and been out to Willie's house and out in Austin, had good times and farm aids and everything like that. But we went up, and believe it or not, Willie pulled in, and, and we went on the bus, and we had the best time ever. You didn't call security? Like, no, it was all these security was even gone. The building was closed. Willie was leaving the stage there for a little bit, and he backed he backed the bus up. Told him to shut it off because Dusty told him to tell us that Dusty sent us. So Dusty called right. Willie. Dusty yeah. and Willie were good friends, and he liked it. Liked the stories. We were cracking open beers and, uh, you know, and you know, partaking with Willie. And everybody knows Willie. In, so in his he, favorite he uh, pastime. <laughs> we, but that, yeah, we, we definitely have smile. We definitely had smiles on our face. Yeah. What was so funny then? That was '88. So '89, '90. I know Willie for two more years. So in the fourth year, knowing Willie, who sings at the WrestleMania Seven? But Willie. Willie. Well, and, and he probably has you to thank for that, right? Oh, but no. <laughs> but, oh, but listen, all the guys were wanting to meet him, Sean. Yeah. So yeah, Lanza and everybody. You know, over just watching him sing the thing and staying their distance by the rail and letting him do his thing and sing. I think he sang "America the Beautiful." Yeah. And uh, uh, hear me and Sai come rolling up. Heard Willie was doing sound check and we come walk out and everybody's out and wants their wants his autograph kind of and say hello to him. And he stops it stops in the middle of his singing the song and looks at me and Sag and goes, "How are you guys doing? Get on up here." He came up here. <laughs> In the ring, he gave him a big hug, and everybody from Lance. Like, what the hell? You know, had the big mouth drop. Like he knows the nasty voice. <laughs> <laughs> and then that That's night, great. you know, after we sang, I was in, yeah. out with him before our match, and I said, "Hey, if we win tonight, which I knew we were gonna win, I didn't tell him that either." I said, "We're coming to party with you." He goes, "Come on over. I'm staying at the Holiday Inn, Santa Monica." And we won the belts, and I took me and Sag, uh, John Michaels. Kurt Henning, Mr. Perfect, every, uh, I mean, I mean, Mr. Perfect, uh, Paul Diamond, the Axe, Larry the Axe was with us. I don't know how many guys, and we went and got him downstairs. I gave him the, I gave him the belt. He thought I gave it to him to keep, and he was wearing the WWF Tag Team Championship. I got pitched <laughs> around his waist like it was a country belt buckle. He had yeah. a big smile on his face, and then he had one of these things that go, like, you remember them things that said the last word? It would say, you know, you talk and you press it, go, eat shit. F you, it's that the other. Well, he had one of them, and every time I would talk, he would hit it, and everybody la he'd laugh, and all the wrestlers would laugh. I said, Willie, if you do that one more time, I swear to God, I'm going to put you in an airplane, spin here, and spin you as fast as I can. And Taking he hit it, belt back. put in an airplane, spin. His legs were going. Gator and LG, LG's his security were going. Put him down, knobs. Put him down because they knew me that four years now. Then I put him down, and he's like eighty. Uh, <laughs> maybe not then he was in his 60s so he was, yeah, he was in his 60s so oh okay he, that's alright then to... <laughs> hey, he, loves, he loved me to death and we, yeah. we were the best of friends since then yeah, that's you know? awesome that's, uh, isn't, it, isn't it amazing though Brian of 
you know, it, you know, they always say like movie actors want to be rock stars and, you know, but movie stars and rock stars want to be wrestlers. I mean, it isn't, I mean, it isn't amazing that I don't know so how, many, how many times baseball players. Are you kidding me? And hockey players, yeah. they all, you know, it is. Yeah. It's just incredible. It's that always amazed me that they were, you'd see these people come to the events and they were uh, honestly starstruck by the guys. It was just uh, amazing to me to see when you, th- when, you know, oh, that is a, you know, guy that was like this huge movie star and he's just wants to see Hulk or, you know, wants to see the nasty boys or whatever. They're just starstruck. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's, uh, it's unbelievable, man. It, yeah. it is. I mean, I, that's, I got in a business I love and I love it to the day I die. I mean, this is professional wrestling is where it's at. And, and, um, you know, without Vince McMahon, the nasty boys wouldn't be the ma- nasty boys. WWF is what stamped us that made us who we are today. I mean, we were WCW first just for a little bit. Then we went to WWF, made a name for ourselves. Then we came back at WCW, you know, and we were who we were. But, the, you know, yeah, if you if you made it up in the WWF, you know, you 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 actually that that was that's your goal. And, and to every young wrestler today, I could say the same thing. Your goal should be to someday wrestle out of WrestleMania. I mean, that's you know, and now that's cynical. Yeah, I feel, like, I feel like Dick Buckus and Ray Nitsky when I talk because I'm talking about WrestleMania seven. Now they're up to thirty something. I know, you know it's incredible, I mean, isn't it? You know, yeah, exactly. And we came in in November the same time as the Undertaker. We came in at the same time. Us and the yeah. ta- us and Taker. You know, wow. you know, and and uh, I think that one thing that uh, people just always were amazed by about you and and Jerry is that you, you're you're so unfiltered. You do you you do and say whatever you want to do, whatever it is. Uh, that got you into trouble a lot of time uh, t- times as well, right, Brian? <laughs> you don't can't do that anymore, though. Too many. I I told I tell a lot of people that today. I said. Thank God they didn't have them smartphones when we were wrestling back out in the road. (laughs) We would have a job for about two days, (laughs) maybe a day and a half. (laughs) A few altercations along the way uh, outside of the ring. Yes, yes. You know, uh, just the way, you know, because everybody has their cell phones on now. You can't, you can't be used to act back when, you know, but it was a good time. I mean. And that, that goes to show not only in, in our time, even earlier, you know, I heard some wild stories with the, you know, wild Samoans and, you know, yeah. well, like, yeah. their phases, you know. Now, but I do have to ask you about uh, the, the shaving of Ric Flair's eyebrows. Uh, can you solve the, the mystery of this, that, uh, that uh, he went to sleep on a plane and woke up with one eyebrow and you come out of the bathroom with both ears shaved off. So to cover the crime, uh, you want to, would I really honestly up? do that? I was telling Rick, was I? Would I honestly do that? Even though when the plane landed, Rick goes, "I want them to off the tour now." I mean, was back. he really? Was that serious heat? Was he really? Oh, upset? He, oh, are you kidding me, Rick Flair? He was so mad. You know, <laughs> looks. Are you kidding me? That was like the the ultimate of ultimates. You know. <laughs> okay, so who did it? Who did it? I, what oh, happened? Come on. Still huh? don't know to this day. Uh-huh. You know, Taylor tells this bogus story that he saw me come out of the yeah the, the the bathroom door open. He saw me shaving my eyebrows off in there. But I think you know Terry Taylor must have took too many sleeping pills on the way over. You know I, I don't know there there was uh, 
there's something about that one that just don't seem seem right to me. But no, that's 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 the story. Yeah, he saw me shaving off my eyebrows. I wouldn't do that to Rick. I love Rick. Why would I do that to him? You know. So <laughs> you know what? Well, the from? legend that, will live that, on. Well, let's let let's the mystery be unsolved, right? Mr. Perfect. You know that, Sean. That that eyebrow stuff. Yeah. I mean, so many Pete, so many times, and he got his shave too. But so many times, uh, you know, and you, and the, the funny part about it is they don't tell you when they do it, and then they only shave one, so it really makes you look like a goofball. And then you're at the, you know, airline counter trying to upgrade or whatever, <laughs> and you're looking at you like, what's wrong with this guy? And you're looking, yeah, you don't, until oh. like it's about half yeah. a day till you find look in the mirror and go, what the, heading, you yeah. know? Heading. <laughs> <laughs> you trap, like i remember you know randy would always talk you know i, I you know going to the airport brother people just coming up all the time you know and it's like well dude you're wearing uh you know lime colored boots you've got i mean he you know he he lived the gimmick when you traveled would, would you guys would you throw on a pair of jeans and a sweatshirt or what or did you yeah, but please the haircut and I, I still get recognized it's like i'm yeah I'm, that's, I'm, that's not a whole I'm, lot I, you've done. I, never, I never knew that with this hairstyle, I'm going to have to have it for the rest of my life as long as I'm in the business because that's the way it is. It's almost like hawking his bandana and stuff. People just recognize you as that, and it is what it is. Especially everybody's smart. Everybody's smart out there. I mean, they know it's really tough, especially during that period of time. You guys couldn't go anywhere, right? You no. couldn't go. You no, know, you couldn't go to the convenience store to you know get a, a Snickers bar with somebody out. You know, hey, you're the nasty boys. You know, right? Yeah. You know, it it's an crazy. honor today now, Sean. I still get that today when I go. Yep. And they come up to me, and, and a lot of people come up and say, hey, man, I just want to thank you for all the years you showed me. I had a lot of entertainment with you. And it feels good because that means makes that me and SAG really did do something right when we wrestled because yeah. it's still people are still coming up. And, you know, 32 years now we've been in the business. So that's that's oh. a long time. Now, do you guys do many appearances? Do you get out much? I know that you've been yes, at a few. A lot of comic cons we're doing. You know, yeah. we do comic cons. Um, we we scale back on the wrestling part. We wrestle every now and again, you know, getting getting older now. And, you know, I know my body. And another thing is, is it's like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the type of person, if I can't go and, and give my all, right. you know, I, you know. It's, it's hard to get out there and, and just go ahead, okay, and they're going to pay me this, but I'll go out there just to – I like to at least give them the show. That was That's born and bred in our, our system, just like uh, Shawn Michaels. And, you know, we, we all uh, we all grew up together in this business, and we all, you know, driving down the road together and talking and Mr. Perfect and, you know, just – Good, you know, good times, but that's how you were brought up, and and always to have the best match or try this or try that. You know, I mean, the the the, the people that uh, actually helped us out with the armpit, the pit stop, uh, were yeah. uh, Roddy Piper and Adrian Adonis. Yeah, well, you know, yeah. and back then, Brian, and I don't, you know, I'm not certainly in that world uh, much uh, around what the the WWE is today, but it it it's really changed in, in that sense too because. You know, uh, they don't do as many house shows. The guys travel differently. The guys have, you know, people have buses and it's like a separate thing. Back then, uh, you know, you're talking about a pretty small family, really. Uh, there might be anywhere between 50 and 60 superstars, uh, you know, on that roster. But, you know, you guys traveled together. You were in cars together. You would do these house shows every day. Uh, it really was a tighter fraternity, don't you think, back yeah. then? 
Yeah, I, I think so. And, and then after we were done, you know, which is, is not around no more. And, yeah, and a now, lot of them are. Yeah. No more. I don't drink no more. So it, this, this don't, you know, fair for me no more. But it's, uh, you know, that, that was one of the things, you know, any time we were in, it was like, where are we going tonight? Yeah, it wasn't we're going up to our room yeah. and, you know, um, play video games or, or do anything like that. And there's nothing wrong with it. That's what you like to do. That's fine. You know, but it was everybody get together. Where are we going? What bar? What are we hitting up? You know, let's we'll hit the hotel bar first. Then we'll go here. We're there and get a bite to eat and, you know, plan the whole night out. And that was every night. And, and you know, 300 nights a year, you know, we, we were going 300 uh, yeah. you know, strong a year and, and some more double shots on Saturday and Sunday, yeah. Saturday and Sunday were double shots. So yeah, it was a, it was a hectic schedule, you know? And how did, how did your body hold up through it all? Uh, because you guys weren't in the gym every morning. I know that, but, uh, maybe good. in a sense that was better. I mean, I don't know. Well, you know, if you talk to anybody that's been in the business and literally that's was a superstar and it's over, you know, about, I would say even five, six, seven years as a superstar. But then you talk about 15, 20, you're definitely screwed up. You're definitely getting yeah. fake body parts. You're definitely down the way as you get older. You're, it, it's one thing after another. And yes, I, I need a knee replacement on my right right now. And my, my back, it's finally came into my back and, you know, the arthritis and this and that. And, you know, so what do you, what do you do about it? You know, uh, I wouldn't take back what I did ever in my life. I, I, I had a good time and, and, you know, I paid the dues of course, and there could have been things here and there and just like in the NFL, but you know, like you were saying, it, it was a different time, but just look at football now and baseball and everything's changed. You know, you can't hit the quarterback like you used to hit them back in the seventies or eighties, you know, but just like wrestling, you can't do some things these days. And, you know, a lot of it has to do with, uh, you know, publicly traded company and, 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 you know, you got to, you know, social media now and everything. So it's, it's definitely different, but there's still, like you said, I, I agree with you. They're still coming out there and, you know, I saw some matches and I know the family and I know Roman Reigns very well and, and Braun Strowman's matches and they're two big guys. They are going, they're doing phenomenal, crazy stuff for big, big guys, because, you know, when we were there and you were, you know, Right, right there, ringside most of the time, and uh, you know, there were there weren't too many uh, smaller guys back in there at, back in our day. There was, you know, Vince definitely got the the cream of the crop of really big guys. There was, oh, yeah. Yeah. was big, yeah. you know, even Dynamite Kid who was small was big. Yeah, <laughs> so, no, no kidding. Uh, you know, so, well, but it, it's true, and and that's the uh, you know the difference though today is you wonder like how much higher can you raise that bar. I mean, you see guys now, you know, they do, they're doing falls from three stories. They're, you know, coming down on four tables and then falling on cement. And you, you, you know, you just wonder how, how, what's the limit or will there ever be one? But, uh, the toll that it's got to take on these guys' bodies has got to be incredible. Oh, and, and, and Shane jumping off the cage. Yeah. Like, oh my God. I'm like, and, and, you know, he, he, he was, uh, when he, you know, his dad put him through the ringer, not that many people know that he's like us. He paid his dues. He was ring truck, yep. drove the yep. ring truck and referee. Then, then every, every aspect of the job in WWE also, you yeah. know what I mean? So, and at the one point he, he used to room with me in SAG for about three, four months. He, he room, he roomed with us. He was on the road and we put him in, we three to a room, which was no big deal at that time. You know, even macho man would do three to a room. 
and yeah. sometimes, you know what I mean? So that was the way that it was. Like you said, it was that. That was no big deal. You know, everybody get together, get a room as long because we're off the next day. And I think, uh, you know, another guy who's passed, who's a friend, Hercules Hernandez, I think yeah. he still has the record. I think he went, I don't know, was it maybe like 120 days straight without a day off or something? I don't, it's up there, though, you know, when yeah. until you yeah. until you finally, you know, enough's enough you can't you can't handle it no more but we used to be on the road a lot back then it yeah, was an animal so. yeah no kidding but uh you mentioned some of these guys uh you know that were part of that that fraternity and there was a price to pay and there's a lot of them who aren't here and i know that uh you were close to many of them and it seems like every week uh there's another and they're not you know they're not dying as old men and it's it's uh you said there is a there's a price to pay for this business. Uh yeah, there is. But um, you know, I mean Roddy Roddy Piper, another another mentor yeah, of mine. Yeah. Looks like oh, you know, I mean, way too young. And, and Randy, it, I know you were close to Randy and Yeah, you know. well, Macho Man, another one. I mean, Mr. Perfect, Hawk, uh, Rick Rue, Davy Boy, Eddie uh-huh. Guerrero. I mean, the list I just uh, you know, Brian Adams. I the list could, could I could just keep in thinking and yeah. I don't like to think about it a lot, you know, because I miss a lot of the guys, you know, yeah. right now being around them. I still talk to to Brett, you know, religiously. I mean, that was one of, you know, they all say, who, who are your top tag teams? I said, you know, the top three right away are the Hart Foundation, the Road Warriors, and, the, you know, and the Steiners. Not in that order, but Harlem Heat was up there too, Public Enemy. I mean, You're talking about tag teams that you liked uh, working with. Yeah, well, like yeah. working with. But, uh, you know, just the, the, the three top right in the beginning that really, you know, made an impact with this were the Steiners, the Road Warriors, and the Hart Foundation. And, and uh, Brett actually said uh, in his one interview and in his book that that's out of his whole lifetime, that's one of his favorite matches was WrestleMania 7 against us. And that really makes me proud because, you know, Brett, that's one guy who could really wrestle. I mean, you know, Jim was the big bully and the big, you know, you know, knock people around, but, but Brett can do e- could do everything. You know what I mean? So, and we had some awesome, unbelievable matches with him. And that match at WrestleMania, it's, that's one of my best matches I ever had too. You know, and then uh, even the one with the Road Warriors uh, in SummerSlam was a very special match too. So, I mean, and the Steiners, I mean, awesome. That Halloween Havoc match still goes down in history. So, you know, a lot of very good matches. And before we were even big names in '88, we wrestled the uh, the British Bulldogs over in Japan where Japan at the time was real stiff and real different. And we yeah. came up, we took that approach. Like we took the approach over here in the United States. We went over there and we're barroom fighters from PA and, you know, from Lehigh Valley went over there and, and didn't take geese from anybody and, and got over and, and the Japanese liked us. They really, they really did. You know, yeah. uh, Tenru and all them guys uh, really took a liking to us. Master Saito, I mean, you know, awesome legends over there in Japan. Uh, Giant Baba, Antonio Inoki, you know, and then we got to know, we came up with, uh, you know, the great Muda and Hashi, uh, uh, you know, and Hashimoto. He's not with us no more, but, uh, you know, a lot of good training over there. And that was when we were young. The first time we went over to Japan was 88. So we were in the business only three years at the time, you wow. know. So. You know, and, and, and Brian, you know, looking back, and I don't know if it, it, this may be really tough for you to do, but when, you really think of, of a shining moment, the one that, you know, that, that stands out uh, above the rest. Is there one for you? Uh, I, I, I tell everybody, 
but no doubt has to be WrestleMania seven winning the yeah, WWF yeah, right. tag team titles yeah. against the Hart Foundation with Jimmy Hart and all the movie stars in the in the building, the place rocking. Hulkamania was still rolling strong. He's going against uh, uh, Sergeant Slaughter, who has Sheik Adnan. So you got the USA thing going. You know, you had Jake the Snake out there, you know, and, and no. Macho. And then, uh, you know, I mean, there was, I mean, the Ultimate Warrior. I mean, what, what, a, what a crew of guys. Undertaker. I mean, just if you name the card, I mean, unbelievable. You know, and we were just happy to be on it. I mean, I'm really... I was really amazed, Sean. We just got into WWF in uh, November of 1990. And in 91, they didn't use SAG, but they used me for the Royal Rumble. Uh-huh. So they called me up and I went down there. And then they finally put up the list. And I'm looking at the list and I see where I came out. And I'm looking and I'm looking and I'm looking. And then it has me, Earthquake, and Hulk in there at the very end. And, I, and then I was like, oh, my wow. God. I'm, I'm now I'm now I'm nervous as hell, you know. Uh-huh. I'm really nervous, and I went out there, and, and Piper was announcing it, and I went out like a, a, a you know, bat out of hell. I'm running to the damn ring. I dove underneath the bottom, and I started whapping everybody, and I stiffed everybody, right? Yeah. yeah. And I hit him, hit him. I hit Hercules. I don't know who. I everybody. Boss man, Kerry Von Eric. I was just you know wiping everybody. The Rick Martel, and I got up the Kurt. And I went to whack him, and you know, Kurt, he knows he's always one step ahead of me. He steps back, and I missed him, and I fell down on my knee, and the whole, almost the whole battle royal glommed me and just started beating <laughs> Oh, yeah. They uh, were beating A little hell stiff. Yeah. yeah, I had to fight my way out of it, you know, and then we, we got back out of the match, and then it came down to me and Earthquake and Hulk, and I, yeah. that's where I felt the power of Hulkamania, dude, when he yeah. came up for the comeback. So, you know, he said, how do you want to go out? And I said, you give me the big boot and I'll go out over the top rope backwards. And he looked at me, he goes, you sure you can make that bump? You sure you can do it? I said, just uh, hit me, Terry. No problem, man. I'll be there for you. And man, when he got to come back and the Hulks were going crazy, he gave me that big boot. I didn't even come. I thought I was an Olympic champion. I didn't even come close to hitting the top rope with my back. No hands or nothing. I just went over. Didn't even put my hands down to hit. I didn't care how I hit it. It was the adrenaline was pumping so high. And, and that's how I got knocked out. Then the last two were him and Earthquake. You know, and then they did an angle off that. But I was so proud. That was my first pay-per-view ever. And I was the last one in the last three in the Royal Rumble. So I was really, I was stoked then. And then we went on to WrestleMania to win the belt. So, you know, that was, that was another awesome time. Yeah. Well, just a tough kid from Allentown and, uh, yeah, look where you went. That That's yeah. really, that's awesome, Brian. Uh, I really want to, I really appreciate you coming on, uh, with the, uh, the podcaster with us. And I, I knew it was going to be, uh, a wild ride. Uh, you, uh, entertained me then, um, <laughs> and you have ever since I'm just sorry. There's been this, uh, long break, but, um, Really, it's just awesome. And I know you, like you said, you're out there. How can uh, folks get in touch with you? Because well, listen, I always have... I, 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 like back in, you know, we, we, we there's so many such stuff to talk about, but I kind of started something after uh, in 2001 when there was just no leagues either. I started like the, it was called the XWF. Yeah. And, you know, we, we had TVs in, in, you know, me and Jimmy Hart and Greg the Hammer Valentine, and then we brought Piper in, and, and, and we brought everybody in. We had uh, Jerry the King Lawler, Tony Schiavone, Sable was our, you know, uh, commissioner and a CEO, and, I mean, and Piper was the commissioner, and 
Sable was the CEO, but it was really a, a good thing. So then now that I got older, I, I, uh, in 2006, I actually, uh, the, the Tampa Bay Rays came to me and asked me if I could, uh, you know, would like to be this 10th man. So I said, sure, I, I, I you know, love to do it. What does it have to detail? Well, when we play the Yankees and Red Sox, it's usually, you know, um, more fans and we don't have the fans. Can you try to help our fan base out? And we call you the 10th man. I said, sure. So I did a bunch of videos, smashing a trash can over my head and let's go raise and, and, yeah. uh, you know, got into that. And eventually we got to 2008, got to the world series, but that started me on, they, they asked if they could have a, <clears throat> a legends of wrestling night at the oh, cool. yeah. trial. And that's how I started it back there in 07 and 0. And then the next, it did so good the first year. We had Brett, me and Gene. We gave tickets away for WrestleMania. Then I had one in 08 to, to coincide with baseball. And when they're not playing a great team, they it's just, you know, Legends of Wrestling Night. You bring the guys down, you know, to get other guys mixed in with the baseball, the fans. And yeah. the fans loved it. And all of a sudden, it started taking off. Yeah. And we did stuff for the New York Mets, we Pittsburgh Pirates, uh, Miami Marlins. We got we were with the, got our foot in the NFL last year with the Jaguars and that, and we're finally getting our uh, foot in the NHL, and we're thinking we'll be doing something with the uh, uh, Arizona Coyotes there, the the Yotes coming up. Um, hopefully in uh, I think it's going to be in March sometime in 2018, and a lot of baseball teams, Major League Baseball teams in uh, 2018 also. But if people want to find out. Where to go? Uh, it's uh, thelegendsofwrestling.com or go to our Facebook. And we have a big event coming up uh, actually uh, March 24th. And we have, you know, Mick Foley, Cactus Jack's going to be there, uh, Hall of Famer, Rick, and, and also we have Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, another Hall of Famer, Million Dollar yeah. Man, Animal from the Road Warriors, the Nasty Boys, Mouth of the South, Jimmy Hart, uh, you know, Bushwhacker Luke. So, you know, I found a way to get you know, my friends all together, like a reunion and we have matches and have some guys get involved. Some guys talk to the fans, you know, some guys want to manage, but it's really fun. We sign autographs, have a Q and a, but, uh, you know, I do all that stuff with major league baseball and NFL and NHL now. And we go, go to different, uh, you know, casinos and stuff too. And it's worked out very well and it's really getting big. So, uh, March 24th, we were going to be in Augusta, Georgia. We were there last year with Ric Flair and a lot of the guys, Hacksaw, and now we're bringing a whole new crew in. And, uh, it, you know, tickets go on sale tomorrow uh, in Augusta for this event. And uh, it should be good, March 24th. Uh, so, uh, you know, and then there's something on April 21st we're doing in Detroit uh, with the Beasley Group. And the Beasley Group's doing the same thing. It, you know, it's just the same the same group, uh, radio station. Um, and they're doing a... Uh, we're doing a couple shows with them this year. And the first one starts March 24th in Augusta, Georgia. And the yeah. next one's supposed to be April 21st in Detroit. So the people in Detroit or Georgia, if you have a chance, come out, see all the legends, have fun. It's a great night with fans and fan friendly, uh, you know, for the kids. It's, and, you know, good time to reminisce and have good time, good wrestling, you know, good, good stories, you know, get autographs with your favorite wrestler. And, you know, it's just a real good thank you to the fans for without them, we wouldn't be who we were. So it's like, a, you know, a real good uh, meet and greet and, and a good wrestling show. That's awesome. And and the venue you said in Augusta, where, where's it taking place on the, the 24th? Uh, it's it's it, March 24th. It is. Yeah. And, 
Let's see here. I'll tell you right now. Give me two seconds. And they can get all this information uh, at uh, thelegendsofwrestling.com, folks. And uh, can, they, uh, can they get a message to you through that, that website as well? Look, sorry about this. but it Or, is you, or probably your Facebook, too. Christianberry Fieldhouse, right. March 24th in Augusta, Georgia. And awesome. the tickets go on sale tomorrow morning. Uh, so um, it, that'll be Wednesday. So... Yo, if you have a chance, please come out wherever you're at. We're going to have a good crew, and there's a lot more surprises coming up. We have a lot more people uh, you know, getting at it, and it's going to be one good night of wrestling, I'll tell you that. That's so, awesome. And all the guys you know, it's all the you know guys. You get everybody together. You definitely hear some great stories then, you know, because that's coming from everybody. So, <laughs> Brian, the folks that listen to this podcast are exactly – uh, those those folks they they, they love uh, that uh, era of wrestling from the 80s and 90s which uh, is uh, I think you agree with me uh, absolutely the best in professional wrestling especially with the WWF and everything that was going on during that time and uh, folks check it out the legends of wrestling.com um, you know and one of the reasons I think uh, Brian you and Jerry were so popular uh, then and and are today is you know because you always said like I said before you did exactly what you wanted to do what you wanted to say and I think uh, all of us would love to have the guts you know to live such an unfiltered life and uh, it's been great talking to you and I hope that uh, you that's and I that was a good thing though Sean <laughs> yeah I know I mean, that's what I'm saying a lot of people don't have the guts to do it but you 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 never compromised it <laughs> it never it it, it never stopped it's how we were brought up, though, in the business, and growing up in that town and in, in Allentown, and, you know? Yes, folks, exactly. We, we knew where that. you stood all the time. Yeah, we just did a thing for the Philadelphia Flyers minor league team, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, yeah. and they almost sold it out. They had a Legends of Wrestling night, uh, November 25th, and it, tur- it came out tremendously, and ESPN picked it up and put it on their uh, website and uh, said, uh, you know, the Legends of Wrestling uh, – was a big hit with the AHL, their minor league team, and and then in March this year we'll be coming out to Phoenix. You know, I see the Coyotes. Game, right? the rest of the night. So I'm gonna have to have you come out and, and yeah, join us out. I'm right down the road, so yeah, I'll definitely be there. Yeah, definitely. All so, right. but thank it's you for good. having me on. I really appreciate that. Yeah, this has been fun, Brian, and uh, really thank you so much. And uh, I hope I see you soon. Take care, my friend. Yeah, definitely. Hey, this is part one. There's plenty more where this came from. We didn't even start talking about all the other stories and all the other stuff. We just we just tipped the the beginning of how nasty this nasty sensation started. You know, yes. so <laughs> part one. Yeah, part one. Well, awesome. thank you, my friend. You're you're a good friend of mine. And I'm glad you called, and we haven't seen each other for a while, but we will be seeing each other in 2018. Thank you for everything. Awesome. And there you have it, folks, a truly unforgettable conversation with Brian Nobbs of the Nasty Boys. I'd love to hear your feedback on this one. I have a feeling uh, I'm going to hear a lot of it. And you know how to deliver it. You can catch me on Twitter at Sean Mooney Who, or, of course, you can email me at primetime at mlw.com. And now it's time to announce our Facebook winner. Remember, this contest we've, been, uh, we've had going Uh, Once we reach 500 likes, well, we have done that, and we have randomly selected one of our friends, and she is none other than Edna Jabali. Edna Jabali, you have won the unreleased, unseen matches DVD 
Uh, Edna's from North Sydney, Nova Scotia. Remember I told you, no matter where you are in the world, I will send this DVD to you. Well, I am going to be sending this one to Nova Scotia and Edna Jabali. Okay, congratulations. And keep those likes coming because we'll be giving more stuff away through our Facebook page. Uh, continue to support the program, folks. If you're looking for seats to that next incredible event, secure those seats through SeatGeek. Remember to download the app and use the promo code PRIMETIME. That's PRIMETIME. And you're going to get $20 off your first purchase. Download that SeatGeek app. And as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, I'm off to the WWE. And, uh, you know, I've had a great idea here, and I'll talk to our producer, Casey, about this. But I'm going to shoot some video hmm, of some behind the scenes of what we're up to. So stay tuned on our Facebook page. I'm going to put it up uh, probably over the next few days. So stay tuned on that one. Until next time, I'm Sean Mooney. Take care, everybody. I'm out. Interested in starting your own podcast? Audioboom can help with our $9.99 monthly subscription plan for hosting and distribution. You'll get 200 minutes of recording time per episode, a branded homepage on the Audioboom platform, embeddable players for web and social media, advanced analytics, and so much more. To sign up for your $9.99 monthly subscription plan, go to audioboom.com start. That's A-U-D-I-O-B-O-O-M dot com slash S-T-A-R-T.